Hello again, and welcome to Doing the Opposite Business Disruptors, the podcast where you get to meet incredible leaders who have swum against the tide, thrown out the rule book, changed the rules, and adapted the way their sector does business. I'm Jeff Dewing, and I'm founder and CEO of Cloud FM, a facilities management business where we thrive on taking risk so our clients don't have to. Today, I'm really excited to let you know we're going to meet someone called Emma Stroud. Emma is a podcaster, an author, a speaker, and a clown. Yes, you heard correct, a clown. Emma began in theatre and formed her own theatre company, Abandon Theatre, and went on to perform numerous shows around the country. This is where she established her love of improvisation. Em then felt she needed to get a proper job, start a proper business, because something was missing. Over the next 10 years, Em started various businesses, trying to link the behaviours of theatre with business and leadership. Unfortunately, most of these businesses failed. This is when she found, da da ding, her purpose. Her company, TruthWorks, has now gone on to become a big hit internationally, where she has successfully created the power of linking happiness, playfulness, and improvisation with business success. She's written a great book called Lessons from a Clown, which incidentally is a great read. So for me, having met Emma previously and after being exposed to one of her talks, she really does take you on an incredible journey. But the driver of her impacting message is the five lessons of a clown, which are be seen, be kind, be present, be accepting, and of course, be playful, which taken together had the incredible potential to shift the way you live your life. Welcome in, and thank you so much for joining me today. And true to your purpose, I'm really banking on having some fun. So hello, Em. <laughs> hello, Jeff. Thanks for having me. I mean, no pressure there. Just make sure that you're fun. You just said before recording, yes. better be fun. <laughs> Basic concept, right? Okay. So Em, listen, I'm going to start off with trying to sort of get under the skin of a few things, peel the layers back. And um, mm. what I want to ask you is during the start of your working life, which was predominantly theatre, I guess, and then the theatre company that you actually then created, and you went through that process of sort of understanding the theatre world and doing all the things and gaining all that knowledge and experience. And then I read, which I found really interesting, you had this idea that said, look, I've, 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 got, I've got to get a proper job. You know, I've got, I've, I've got to launch a proper business. And you then went on to launch various businesses um, during that period, what, what would you say predominantly were the lessons that you'd learned in that journey? And more importantly, when was it and what was it that flicked that made you then really understand what you felt your purpose was? I think it, <laughs> there were quite a few moments along that sort of pathway. And I think one of, the, one of the main ones was, you know, that real sort of thinking of like, yeah, okay, I've got to be sensible and I've got to be serious and I need to be a grown up. So I've always, I've always had this sort of battle, I guess, internally about business versus performing because my, my dad was an entrepreneur. And so he'd already sort of shown me that you could do stuff in a perhaps a different way or a non-conventional way. But because he died when I was 10, I sort of saw that 
that. And then and then I had sort of this sort of my first sort of 10 years of kind of exploring what do I want to do? And I was meant to go and do business studies, right? That was what I was meant to do. And then I snuck in theatre as like my last option. And then as I sort of started to explore both the theatre world and the business world, I went fully into both of them. So I had a theatre company, as you said, did Edinburgh Festival, fairly successful, was a an actor that actually worked, so therefore doing right. quite well. Yeah, always good. You know, <laughs> admittedly, some of it was touring old people's homes, but it was still work. It was still touring. You know, it was still touring. I might have done an entire show of yeah. Mother Goose to an entirely sleeping audience, but that's a whole other story that for is, another time. Yeah. And and then and then I sort of was like, oh, but I'm really interested in the business world. And Part of my fear at that point in my sort of mid-twenties, well, the business world's not going to take me seriously if I say I do comedy and if I say I'm an actor because they're going to have that perception that acting is pretending, which it's not because acting really is the portrayal of truth and you have to really know yourself to be a really good actor. And so for a few years, I was like, right, must go into the business world. And I started wearing like a business suit and I started sort of dare I say, kind of conforming into that role that I thought the audience wanted me to be. And then I had a couple of businesses that failed. I had a business that did quite well. And I just suddenly started to realise sort of, I don't know, my mid-30s, I was like, this isn't making me happy because I was playing the role of just a business owner. And I was like, when I've grown my business and sold it, then I'll do what I'm meant to do. And I suddenly was like, you know what, that's not life. And so I started again, then I did my first one woman show just off the West End and it went really well. And suddenly it was like, actually, I'm bang in the middle and I don't want to play in just one. And why do I have to? And actually it was society, it was my fear that was holding me kind of to carry on doing that. And actually the reality was, was like, the world needs me to be me. So I have ended up now being me. And now I'm talking to you. On yep. this, <laughs> as me. <laughs> as me. <laughs> Which is great. This is great. And that's an interesting journey because obviously purpose is a big subject. It's, it seems, yep. you know, I know five years ago, it was all a bit Americanized. Well, that's your purpose and all this sort of yeah. stuff. But, but in reality, it is really, really meaningful. And um, But it's tough. It's, it's really, really tough. And you've got to go through some life experiences, haven't you, really, to understand mm. what you think your purpose is. You can't wake up at 18 years old and sort of on your first job and go, oh, I know my purpose. Well, we don't. We've got to go through a bit of life experience to, to feel what we like and what we don't like. Um, so so Em, now that we've sort of moved forward to the point of which you understand your purpose, yeah. can we now try and understand how you felt your life, the playfulness, the clowning around, if that's a, a good enough term, um, mm. and how that links to be able to influence sort of business success and leadership? And and when did you sort of make that connection? I think it, like any good process, it did happen over a period of years. And I I really practice what I preach, right? So I have a business coach, I've got a business mentor. So I've got a team around me that make me M. Stroud. And we were starting to explore, right, okay, what really does make me tick? And I was leaving my a business partner that I've been work, worked with for 15 years. And so it was sort of, okay, where am I? And it just started to become really clear that actually what I love to do is I love making people laugh because actually when you make people laugh, it's just a beautiful, joyful thing and everybody feels good. But I didn't just want to make people laugh because as much as I love doing comedy, for me, it doesn't have quite enough weightiness. So then I was like, but actually, I really want to make people think. And so by making people think, how can I get them to do both of those things? And so then the play came into it. And so it was sort of, I sort of went, oh, I think my purpose is to make people laugh, think and play. Ah, 
I think that is. And then I was like, but I've got to do that because otherwise I'm just somebody going, you should do these things. And if I'm not doing it myself, then there's a, there's a disconnect and then there isn't a genuineness. And so within my own journey, about five years ago, I sort of reconnected with clowning. Um, I don't know how many of your guests have said that they've reconnected with clowning, but I did. <laughs> uh, so I'd done some clowning when I was about 18, 19. I'd gone over to Italy and I've studied Commedia dell'arte. And, uh, and yeah, about five years ago, I was like, right, I'm going to go and do a clowning course. And honestly, I was terrified because I was surrounded by all these professionals that had played in that world a lot more than I had. And then as I did it, all of these pieces of me across the business world and the performing world kind of made sense. Right. And then from that moment, it was like, yeah, I'm a clown mm. as well as a coach and a writer. <laughs> and it's what a gift. And it's a craft, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and again, we've met before and you know, I was lucky enough to be a recipient of one of your talks and your journeys, which we'll talk about in a minute, but it, it is, it sort of takes you out of your comfort zone. You think, well, is, is this how it's supposed to be? Because we're, we're stereotyped into, you know, business is stiff upper lip, wear a suit and a tie yeah. and stuff like that. And, um, and it's about breaking down those barriers. And I guess you could summarize the whole thing. It's actually about vulnerability and how do you get people to show their vulnerability? It's very difficult to say, show me your vulnerability. But if you take mm-hmm. them on a, on a journey that you took us on, suddenly it becomes a lot easier to, to talk about and show and participate in, in the vulnerable process. So yeah, I found that fascinating. So now you've, you've made that connection. You've realized that you're right smack bang in the middle of acting, clowning and business. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're now on your journey or have been on your journey for a while now of, of actually linking the two and, and exposing that principle and process to the business world or the leadership world in different guises. Yeah. So now just sort of try and explain to me how you're in that environment, you're walking into a stage or, or an area of which you're about to address a, a, an audience. Um, how do you take them on that journey? And more importantly is how do they find and react to you? How do you gauge mm-hmm. that and how do you respond to that? Because you've got an ultimate objective. You've got to get them to the place you want to get them to. But yeah. clearly there's going to be different types of audiences. How do you do that? Yeah, I think when I'm faced with a different type of audience, and this has been, you know, my journey, I've, I've spoken from in front of four, 500 accountants, four, 500 lawyers, four, 500 doctors, entrepreneurs, and quite often I'm brought in as the curveball. It's like, you know, you've, you've got the serious business leaders that will talk about financials and marketing and sales processes. And then you've got, oh, but we've got M for a bit of light relief. <laughs> and actually the stuff that I talk about is actually the hardest because we can all learn systems. We can all learn processes. And actually the stuff that I'm talking about is who people really are and how do we show up as people. And so the way that I do it is that I'm always come from a place of, look, this has been the stuff that I've seen, that I felt as M. Stroud. Here are some stories. Here are some stories about other people that I've shared this stuff with. Take the stuff that works with you and the stuff that it doesn't work for you, just ignore. So I'm not attached to any of it. But because, and I guess there's that sort of element, and this does come from the clowning side of it all, you know, a lot of my work, it all comes from a point of kindness, And I realize when you go, oh, here's M. Stroud, the clown, or here's M. Stroud, the comedian, there's already an expectation and there's already fear. And so for me, it's my job to kind of go, look, I'm a human and I'm sharing this stuff and I hope it lands. But the thing is, is that you will be at a very different place in your life because you are an accountant or a lawyer and I can't be you. But what I can hopefully do is just share some stuff and some magic that might just help you think in a different way. And when you do that, plus you've made everybody laugh a bit, 
And that's the key thing, because when you make people laugh, they relax. As soon as they relax and they get out of their heads because I get them playing, as soon as you play, suddenly you're human and you're no longer a lawyer or a doctor. You're a person. And for me, you know, I've stood up in front of places and been like, ha, 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 there's so many proper grown-ups and here's me, the clown. Woo-hoo. But the thing is, is that everybody is a human and mm. we all have something to share mm. and we all can learn from one another, you know? Mm. And that's and again, it was fascinating again, and I'm referring back to obviously when we met uh, a few weeks ago, but um, you talk about the lawyers and the accountants. They've all got young children. Yeah, they've mm-hmm. all gone through that journey. When they go home, they play, right? Why mm-hmm. don't they play at work? Why is this this divide? It's like you walk into two different sort of yeah. spheres, don't you? And you think, why are you doing that? And in reality, when you take someone on a journey, as you have done many times, there's that sudden real life. It's like when you said, I hope some of it lands. Well, one of the stuff that lands is that, yeah, we're all we're all wired to behave in a certain way because of society. And as a business, it's mm. like, no, you must be in at half eight. You must leave at five thirty. You must be smart, uh, and uh, you mustn't giggle and laugh and joke and horse around. You you have to do your job because that's what we pay you for. And and that's tended to be the life for the last fifty years. COVID has helped bash a brick through that to a certain yep. extent. Um, and then also leadership has has taken a step through you know insights from you know people like yourselves and the Simon Stanley. So try to get you to say. Guys, and I've always had this view that there is no such thing as work-life balance. There is just mm. life, right? And mm. how you choose to live your life is what will decide your fulfillment and your happiness, right? Mm. And and it's not about being disruptive for the sake of it. It's about saying, why is it we have to behave differently past 8.30 than we do before 8.30? Yeah, who set that rule? Mm. And COVID has helped us break that down. And when you talk about exactly what you just said, you've got an audience of lawyers that are clearly intelligent people, but they still go home and sod about with their kids, right? Well, mm. why can't they do that at work? If it makes you happy and mm. it and it changes the, the dynamic and it brings down people's barriers where they can be their true authentic self, what is wrong with being successful, having a laugh and enjoying every minute of it? Yeah, I mean, I couldn't agree more. And, and this is one of my sort of challenges at the moment is, especially within leadership, you know, COVID has given us a gift, right? Because actually we can challenge culture and how we're showing up at work. And these rules that were written by somebody that we don't know that this is how business happens, well, they don't actually work because there's so many challenges about mental health, about well-being. There's so many stats about people feeling lack of energy. And the easiest and the most truthful way of shifting that is allowing people to laugh, to find the fun, to find the joy, to connect as humans. Suddenly then your challenges with recruitment, retention, all of those things, they won't go because humans yeah. will always be slightly yeah, challenging, yeah. but yeah. they will go down. Yeah, yeah, materially. Yeah. And again, yeah. you look at you look at our experience alone where we've changed our, our entire business culture. Everyone works from home. It was always an office-based organisation, but it's now a home-based organisation. But people can go in the office, but they can only go in the office, which is supposed to be redesigned as a collaborative centre, they can only go to the office with their teams or their colleagues to solve problems, be creative and have fun. That is the rule, right? And if yeah. you don't do those three things, then we're going to have a problem. And it's changed everything because now people have got this freedom. They don't feel guilty for leaving early to pick the kids up mm. right? because it's, it's now normal, right? In fact, we would get upset if you weren't leaving early to pick the kids up. What sort of parent are you? And it's, it's enabled us to change our entire dynamic and our attitude. And then, of course, what then happens, we've found, is that the mental health and the anxiety and all the things that have been present for a long time, to a great extent, have evaporated because the anxiety and all that stuff was because of the constraints they had between 8.30 and 5.30. If you remove those constraints, 
then they're as happy as they are on a weekend when they make their own decisions on what time they cut the grass, what time they go shopping, what time they do stuff like And it's been it's been transformational. And the other thing, and again, this is something that is up for debate and is a little bit con- uh, a bit controversial, and, and I accept that no one agrees. But what we have found is that with our line managers in our organisation that have been managing teams of 5, 10, 15 people, whatever it may or may not be, um, when the pandemic first started, everyone was locked away at home, everybody declared they hated it, right? Because it was out of the norm. Everyone was un- uncomfortable. And then three months later, everyone said they loved it. So that was point one because they'd learned to adapt, right? And they also realised the time they were spending their family, blah, blah, blah. So it was great. But then what happens, every line manager bar none said to us after the three or four months, I have, I know more about my people in the last three months than I've known about them in the last five years. Because although it's teams and we all prefer face-to-face, it's a bit of a cliche. Some do, some don't, some don't mind. But you get to have an intimate conversation. You get to truly know the person, which you never ever achieved by chat the coffee machine yeah i completely agree and it's it's this thing isn't it of people think well i've got to put this mask on and this is now me professional me and this is why so many people have you know fears and anxieties about presenting because they put that word present and then suddenly it's like you're presenting but if you just kind of go i'm just talking we all talk all the time the pressure goes and this whole idea about this mask of our professional selves and our personal selves the only person that pays for that is yourself because you're exhausted because you're putting this mask yeah, on. And yeah. I remember years ago working with some graduates and they were brilliant, spiky, interesting human beings. And then they all stood up to present. And I was like, where have you all gone? Because you're not employed as a graduate <laughs> because of your skill set. You're employed yeah. because of who you are. Yeah. And they were like, well, that's how our middle managers present. And I was like, but what about M, who happens to have the same name as me, the MD? And they were like, oh, she just talks. And I was like, well, either carry on talking and being you because that's why you're being employed, or in 20 years' time, you're going to have to go on a leadership course to remember who you are. And I just think it's like actually just by being you and allowing yourself to bring the fun, the joy, and the sadness and mm. the challenges, mm. businesses can't help but thrive. No, you know? Of course, of course. And a bit because it's back to authenticity, it's back to trust, yep. it's back to all those things that happen and yep. the realization, oh my God, they're normal. They're an MD or they're a chief exec, but they're just normal. Yeah. Um, you know, they have the same <laughs> challenges I have with my kids and they have the same challenges I have with my wife and they have the same challenges, you know. So, and I guess as well, the other thing is, is that ability. Uh, you know, people think it's a, uh, again, perhaps some people think it's not authentic, but whenever you're talking to somebody, whether it be mm. in a presentation or even on a one-to-one, the power of storytelling. And storytelling isn't about, great, how do I learn how to tell a story? No, you don't. You just share experiences of your life, right? And no one knows that experience better than you do. And what tends to happen is they under people underestimate how interesting other people find it. Therefore, why not use it? Why not take them on that journey? And if you can link the stories to whatever message you're trying to get across, then it's just a thousand times more powerful, right? Because the stories are the human parts and the stories are our truth, Mm. whereas sort of facts and figures can be challenged on an intellectual level. But if you tell a story and you tell a story about your customer or your client and you're telling it to a new one, they're going to find their own truth. Whereas you went, here's some facts and figures. Then you've got rid of the human side. and. And everybody, we are all storytellers. And I think lots of people put this kind of, ah, but I'm not because I haven't climbed Mount Kilimanjaro. And it's like, (laughs) it's fine if you've not climbed Mount Kilimanjaro. It's like your story of the fact that you've got four kids and two dogs and how you're juggling that while also you've just been promoted. 
that is a story that has weight for everybody. You yeah, know, we don't have course. to have done amazing things. No, of course. And again, you'll be in an audience, you'll pick on people, you'll see people, you'll have a conversation with people before or after. Um, and if you have a colleague or a friend, so obviously imagine I've got colleagues and friends and you'll, you'll go at the pub and you'll have a chat. And all you actually do when you're in the pub is you're spending all your time making each other laugh. That's what it's about, right? And you do that through real life storytelling. So then you sit back and go, well, why don't you do that work? Because you would just bring everybody in. Like yeah. you're doing with me now. So, yeah. and you sit and go, why is it? We're back to this, this you know, element of confidence, how we're wired. And the key is break it down, be disruptive for the good, not for the sake of it. Um, and, and you'll see, as, you, as you've demonstrated, you know, people will thrive. And if people thrive, the business they work in will thrive. It's a, mm. it's a simple fact, right? So, mm. but you've got to have no fear. You've got to be courageous. Yeah. Um, and, yeah. um, and what's the worst can happen? Right? You're not going to get killed, are you? So, no. Nah. Well, not no. unless you're in Russia or somewhere, but but yeah. ultimately, <laughs> yeah. it'd, be, it'd be very unlucky if you were in a boardroom in Dagenham and you're like, ah, oh, I said a story. You know that would be very unfortunate. <laughs> oh dear, oh dear. Anyway, um, right, listen. Now we're going to take you on to another one, which is my final question. With all the knowledge and experience you've had, and obviously the fact that you're really out there and have no fear on 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 bringing your message and your your views across. Mm. If there was only one piece of advice you could give me or the listener, what one piece of advice would you give somebody that was either a budding entrepreneur or someone that was unhappy and needs to decide how to be happy? What one piece of advice would you give them where they know to change whatever it is that they feel sad about, they're going to have to be disruptive, right? So what one piece of advice would you give somebody who really wants to solve this problem but they're nervous, they're concerned, and they're worried. I think for me with that, it would be turn everything off, turn your emails off, turn your phone off, turn the noise off and sit for 10 minutes and just breathe and sit. And that time, if you do that on a daily basis, that challenge will disappear because you will find your own answer. And the thing is, is that I truly believe everybody has their own answer for whatever challenge is going on, if they just give themselves some space to do that. And I'm talking 10 minutes, 10 minutes a day, just sit, turn everything off and just sit. And sometimes you might not even think about it and you'll be like, I'm thinking about something else. How am I doing this right? How am I doing this wrong? And you'll probably be like, why am I just sitting here for 10 minutes? Because that short clown on Jeff's podcast said it was a good idea and I don't really get it, but it will change you. Because actually what you're doing then is that you're giving yourself some space to hear your own wisdom. And the thing is, is that you are your wisest ally. You are your wisest confident. But the thing is, is that we always kind of, we're told we've got to seek other people. We've got to seek other ideas. And actually for me, the things that really changed for me was when I allowed myself to do that and just shut up, sit and listen. And if you do that, challenges, they're still there, but they lose their power. And they lose their weightiness, you know. And as soon as they do that, you can't help but think about it from a different perspective. And that's a really, really great answer. And the reason it's a really great answer is because it's struck a chord, which um, I'm going to share with you, which is exactly what you just said. So during COVID, our business struggled massively. It fell off a cliff. It went from collecting six and a half million pounds per month down to 200,000 pounds a month. And I've got 400 mouths to feed. Wow. So it was the most frightening thing I'd ever experienced in my life. 
And as the CEO, I've got an exec board saying to me, Jeff, what are you going to do? Um, mm. And I'm going, I've got no idea. Mm. So, but what I did was two things. One was, a well, you could, you could argue it was all luck, but one of the things I did was I was lucky enough at that point to have been stuck in Portugal, right, when the lockdowns occurred. And I'm in this lovely house with glorious weather, a lovely patio, um, a sort of veranda at the first floor level, and I watched the sun go down over the sea. And all I did, because I had no choice, I had nowhere to go, we couldn't go out anywhere, it was all locked down. So I sat out on my balcony from six o'clock every night for an hour. And it ended up a bit of a, a laughing thing because it was called Jeffrey time, right? And and all I did was I sat on that balcony for an hour and I just watched the sun go down every single night. What I didn't realise was I'd allowed my mind to be free, right? I'd allowed myself to think about things. I never, ever held myself to account to have an answer, but it gave me the freedom to just let everything go and then just think. And what it done was it energised me for every single morning, right? And... I, I claim now, and I've claimed it to a, 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 a few people that have been prepared to listen, that the only reason our business got through COVID, aside from the incredible tenacity and courage of the people, part of that for the moment, but if I'd have been stuck in Colchester where I live and in a grey world with nowhere to go and the frustrations of what you've felt all of your life in in the UK for those that have felt those frustrations I'd have been climbing the walls and have been no use to anybody in fact I'd have been a burden being here and, and experiencing what I've just shared with you meant that I woke up every single day with as much energy as I had the day before and it just drove me. And the energy was the key. And the only way to get that energy was the ability to free your mind and reflect. And I did that every day, apart from one or two days because it was pouring a rain, <laughs> every day for two years. And I swear to God that that was one of the key elements that enabled me through a leadership process with my team to drive this business through COVID and come out the other side thriving. So your message about taking 10 minutes and breathing and giving yourself time I think it's probably the best bit of advice I've heard today and this week and this year and this decade. And I can say that because I've lived it and I've felt the power of it. And I will recommend to everybody that's anybody, give yourself that time to reflect and you'll be you'll never, ever regret it. Mm, completely. And and I think there's a there's a bravery about choosing to do that. Because it's not what we're told. We're told in order to be successful, you've got to be busy. Your life's got to be full. You've got to be going from one thing to another. And mm. the more that I witness with all the leaders that I've worked with and, and also for myself, the more that I slow everything down, the more opportunities arrive. The more I help other people slow down, the better clarity, the better vision, the better decision-making they have. And crazily, the more joy they have as well. They actually find themselves <laughs> enjoying what they're doing. I don't mean to like be crazy but you know this thing called work we can actually yeah. just really enjoy it you no, know of course of course and what was that fantastic statistic you showed me which really was quite quite hard hitting um how many times a child smiles you know or laughs in a day yeah it's um let me try and get it right it's a, a four-year-old will laugh 300 times a day yeah. the average 40-year-old laughs 300 times a month yeah yeah yeah, what are we doing? Scary. What I are know. we doing? <laughs> and that, and that, that really brings it home because it's a fact, right? And of course, yeah. when you reflect on it, I mean, I, I disagree about me. I think I laugh 300 times a minute, but there you go. <laughs> uh, but, but, but the reality is, 
Yeah, the reality is it's probably a very clear statement. When you reflect on the people you know in work, in life and whatever, and you see them being stiff up a lip during work, you can believe that that's, that's mm. true. They only laugh when they go home. They only yeah. laugh in front of their children, yeah. which, is, which is mad. Okay, so there's one final parting statement as we wrap up. Um, if there was only one thing, only one thing, what would you say you were most grateful for? I'm most grateful for the fact that I went and did a 10-day silent meditation retreat. And because of doing that, I made the choice that I could be a mum. Wow. Wow, wow, and, wow. I mean, you've just met me, you know, and everyone just listened. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not just met me. You know, I'm fairly talkative. So doing yeah, 10 yeah. days of silence was quite <laughs> a thing. And you don't look at people either. But I am most grateful that I made the decision to do something so out of my comfort zone that then gave me the space for me to go, I could rewrite the rules of my childhood. Mm. So I could be a mum in a way that I wanted to be as mm. a gay woman and in the way that I want him to thrive and be happy. Yeah. So that's what I'm most grateful for. Well, that's, that's, that's a great story. I absolutely love that. But again, it comes back to giving yourself time to reflect again, doesn't it? Yeah, giving yeah. you space for your own wisdom. So that's brilliant. Yeah. Uh, listen, Em, it's been a fantastic, fantastic experience talking to you today, as it was the last time we spoke. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm truly thankful for you coming on and spending time with us today. And, um, and I wish you all the best of future. I can't wait for us to catch up again sometime in the future. Thanks for having me, Jeff. It's been a joy. Well... That was Em. A big thanks to Emma for taking the time to join me today on this podcast. And you'll see that you can have a lot of fun when you're with Emma. The bit I loved, well, there's lots of bits I loved. I love the whole concept of what she does and, and how she links stuff together with business and, and life and laughter and humanity and, and just the normal things that, that we all seem to, we all seem to have lost our way on. And um, I'm hoping, well, I'm seeing, I'm witnessing now through business and leadership that we're starting to behave as I believe we should have always behaved and that is to be joyful, have fun and enjoy each other's company. But what an interesting statistic. Um, and, a, and a child, a four-year-old child laughs 300 times a day. Now I've got two grandchildren living with me at the moment. One is nine months and one is 16 months. And I absolutely believe that statistic because I see it every day and it's fantastic. But to think that a grown-up or a 40-year-old man or woman laughs 300 times a month. Wow, isn't that sad? So that was really, really, really interesting. And of course, you can always delve further into M by perhaps looking out and buying her book, Lessons of a Clown, which which is a great book. I'd recommend it to anybody. Um, And you can get a bit more under the skin of, of what Emma does and the impact she has on the people she comes into contact with. Do listen back to earlier episodes of my podcast, Doing the Opposite, where you'll hear from various people. And the call out today is David Drake, who is an American Irishman. And he did the opposite by basing his life, building a family and working in Brazil. And an incredible story that is. I'm Jeff Dewing, author of best-selling book, Doing the Opposite, and CEO of Cloud FM. Cloud FM are changing the rules of our industry and doing the opposite to create best value and experiences for our clients. If you'd like to know more, please visit our website at cloudfmgroup.com or alternatively, feel free to follow us on LinkedIn. You can also find out more about this podcast and my incredible guests at podcast.cloudfmgroup.com. 
Finally, a big thank you to my team, Nicola Crawshaw at Cloud FM, Sarah Waddington of Astute PR, Thinking Hat PR, and of course, my incredible production team, What Goes On Media, who have helped me launch this incredible new disruptive podcast. Thanks for listening.